You're listening to the AfterBuzz TV Network. Now the largest new media platform on the web and your number one source for after-show entertainment. Very good, The AfterBuzz Studios in Los Angeles, California, presented by Maria Menounos and Bing.com, and streaming live thanks to Akamai Technologies, this is AfterBuzz TV's Graceland After Show. We'll break down tonight's episode and get you all the latest news and gossip. And now, another post-game wrap-up show for your favorite TV show, it's AfterBuzz TV's Graceland After Show. Yeah, got our EDM intro, Bing is for doing, and we are doing another episode of Graceland After Show. Hello, I'm Julie Parton. And I'm Stephen Lemieux, and we are missing our... Beautiful Stephanie. Earlier today, she Twittered about how excited she was and then got really sick in between now and then. Yeah, she really wanted to come, but we don't want to get sick. So. I know, right? <laughs> At this studio, one time, Contagion around, went around around Christmas, and so I encourage people to stay home. Yes. But this is Season 1, Episode 9, Smoke Alarm, and again, continues to blow me out of the water with how much action and how much plot is accomplished every episode. It's a good episode. Definitely. I mean, we start out again on the beach. And we can see Mike losing it. Yeah, we start out Mike's losing it. Well, we see Johnny coming out of the shower first too, though. I know that was that was, that was awkward. Like throwing the the romance between Charlie and Johnny a little bit, but then you're like, yeah. I don't know. It was yeah. So Johnny taking a shower. Briggs. Charlie's is in there. While whenever he jumps out of the shower, she totally sees him naked, and then slaps him on the butt when he's wearing a towel. Yeah. So then we yeah, of course we have Mike and okay. Pay, is it just me? Are they setting Paige up for the romantic interest of Mike until the end? It seemed... It seemed like that way until the end. It seemed like Paige was being set up for the romantic interest of Mike. But, ah, Paige, I love her some episodes, I hate her some episodes. This was one of my least favorite pages. Was it because they were just flaunting her figure and like, oh, jump around in this bikini or covered in water? Not even. It just seemed like she had no plot of her own. Really, I mean, you know, jumping around in the bikini, sort of a love interest for Mike. She has this this keen interest in Mike, and then when it matters most, she's like, "Trust me, trust me, trust me." Falls flat. We can talk about that more later. We decided tonight, since there was so much going on, we're just going to go straight up chronologically, scene by scene. Yep. So yeah, she she wants she keeps the secret from Mike about Abby that he let her into his room. That he what? That he let Abby into the upstairs of Graceland. That's what Paige. Oh, that's the. That's that, what she yeah. talks to him about. She wants to keep the secret. So that's again, like okay, secrets in Graceland, but some people don't have to find out. That's why it's such, such like really Paige at the end. You you bitch. But, I know, right? So then we go back to Charlie and Johnny, and Charlie is really still re- suspicious mm-hmm. of Briggs. Not dropping it. She's more suspicious now, mm-hmm. which is just good intuition, I guess, if you think about it. And Johnny's making ghetto scramble. I know. <laughs> I guess that's his signature dish. Charlie's is the meatballs, was it? The marinara? Yeah, the uh, the sauce. Although, I gotta say, the sauce looked more appealing than the ghetto scramble. You... Oh, the ghetto scramble looked pretty good. Except for the pickles. I don't know about the pickles. <laughs> but uh, but bologna, mustard, onions, pickles, eggs, and cheese. Aside from the pickles, that sounds pretty good. No. I think it sounds disgusting. If if if, John, if we get uh, Manny to come in studio, we should make a ghetto scramble. Oh, that's the best idea oh, I've ever be heard. Great. We'll all eat it together live. And then this was actually the only scene this episode where we really see everyone together. We didn't even see Jake's this episode. Yeah, he was... He Big was, fat tear, my favorite. Yeah, seriously. What the heck, man? Come on, Brandon. Um, Why don't you walk into the kitchen at least? <laughs> and we get a snide remark. Energy to you have the energy. It, it'll give you the energy to dot to drive a dude's arm into lead. Yeah. So so I felt like that was a little bit of a recap of last week, which we didn't need. Nobody forgot about that arm lead thing happening. Well, they certainly throw back the uh, throw back the violence when we get the shoes. But uh, oh yeah. So right off the bat, Bellows crew is under attack from the Casa Cartel. Jangles is in town, and he's proving it to everybody by cutting off body parts and displaying them. You know how oftentimes there are shoes thrown over telephone hangers? Well, Briggs shows up and says, those shoes are still kicking. There's actually still feet in them. So something that I read recently that kind of, I was like, oh, everything makes so much sense now. 
not about this show, but just in general, is that shoes being thrown over a power line was actually a signal that there was a drug dealer in the vicinity. And oh. I never knew that growing up until about a week ago when I saw some some post online. I was like, no. <laughs> and I looked it up. And sure enough, that's what it means. It means that there's a drug dealer or someone selling crack around the corner, which... It makes a ton of sense, honestly. I've actually heard that before. And then I I used to think it was funny when I saw shoes hanging, and now not as much. But it just it's kind of great that I knew that before this episode. Okay, yeah. Because knowing that and then seeing the feet in the shoes, like, okay, so it makes sense. That's He's giving the signal that there's a drug dealer, but the drug dealer's feet are in the shoes. I liked it. Oh, I thought know, it was great. Honestly, if we're going to have to see nasty stuff like that, I'd rather just see the aftermath like we did today. We're going to have a saw marathon after uh, after oh. um, so So Jangle's in town. He shows it in a big way. And Briggs, before this, warned that it would happen. Like, Briggs is like, guys, we have bigger fish to fry. Drop the Odin thing. We need to go after Jangle's. Well, Mike's talking about how Jangle's is going to turn on Bello when he finds out when he can't find Odin. So Jangles yes. is here to get Odin for the Kaza, but the only person who's actually seen Odin is is Bello. So, okay, who's he going to turn on? He's going to turn on Bello. Mm-hmm. So this is this is where Mike's kind of unsettled because yeah, Mike's Mike's nervous and rightly so. I mean, Mike has seen a high death count, most of them Bella's people. But we go to the new safe house, which Mike approves of, but Bello does not seem faced. He's almost laughing it off. And for a minute there, we think, like, is he crazy? Does he have no feelings? But he, he acts like he's attached to his men. But then it, there's no way to actually believe that because he lets them die all over the place. Okay. Bello, no. He's not attached to his men at he all. He likes war more than he likes his men. He likes war. Yes. I thought you knew that war was inevitable. Yeah. I mean, this is a great this is a great scene. And right when I told – like I talked about it on one of the previous episodes was that Bello – Seems like such a likable guy in some respects, but then they give you that moment where you're just like, holy crap, this is the guy. Like, he's the one who did the torture himself. And now with Eddie, I mean, Eddie blew his freaking head off in front of him. That's his number two guy. Mm-hmm. Bello does not care about his men. Bello is at war with his own... Yeah, and he almost likes it. He has these strange drug dealer goals. He doesn't want to be dependent on cause anymore, and then apparently he'll be satisfied as a person. But his little cronies are freaking out. So he decides to arm them heavily. (laughs) That's what I was sort of wondering about. Yes, I get arming your guys heavily, but if they're walking around, there's no way you can hide those guns. You can't hide them under your shirt or anything. You don't need to. I mean, nobody's going to... It's it's one of those things like they were for the people around his house, mm-hmm. like the guards of his house that were. So those were just for the guards of his house because I thought he was also giving them to his little drug dealers that stood on corners. I think he was mostly giving them to the the guards in his house, and okay. then maybe the people on the corners would be like inside, not the real people in the corners. Because never have I ever seen somebody walking around on the streets with a giant gun like that. Really? You have not. No, either. I haven't. No. So, and again, it's, it's, a, uh, it's a tactic to drive people away. Oh, he has a gun, so we're not going to go after him. He has a gigantic gun, we're definitely not going to go after him. So the gun itself is not really the issue. It's just more to drive people. It's like a scare tactic, like how moths have the stuff on their back to drive predators away, things like that. Mike is going to be responsible for training them. So basically, the motives of the house as it stands right now, are as follows. Mike wants to draw out, get out of this entire thing. Like, you think it's gone too far. They want to arrest Bellows. Like, it's actually... Yeah. Mike's like, I think we should get Bellows. Charlie says, I think we should go after Odin. Briggs says, I think we should go after Jangles and drop the Odin thing. And Johnny's like, just leave me out of it. Paige clueless. Has no idea what's going on. Yeah. And we get... A, and meanwhile- They're all going in different directions. Yeah, because Briggs, of course, we see him order the hotel key, get a motel room, put the key in the planter. Um, he wants discretion. And we don't know at this point, but it's a trap that he's setting. I actually knew at this point it was a trap he was setting. Well, right when he walked in there, he put in a camera. Oh, well, after he walks in, yeah. yeah but when he Whenever orders the he room, you're like, what's it? he doing the room for? You don't know if he's going to use heroin. heroin. Yeah, okay. Yeah. So he does that, and, of course, Briggs is called out on that. He wants to get the jangles, and they think, and he calls revenge closure. Oh, so 
a little bit of, he says, is it justice or is it revenge? And he says a little bit of both. Closure. is Closure is an interesting word because mm-hmm. it can mean so many different things. And closure really feels like, jang- like Briggs and Jangles have a history. Right. And yes. of course, now it makes more, so much more sense now that we know that Briggs and Jangles have a history, especially with that interesting talk at the end that we're still just I leading know. up to. It's just, you, need, you, you need closure in a lot of situations, whether you know some while or not. But normally people say they need closure because of something bad, a relationship that's gone bad, a situation that's gone bad. They need closure. It means like I have to move on with my life. So Juan, the controlling officer, mm-hmm. tells Mike a little bit of information and says that that Briggs wants to sell Bello out before we move in. Like, and this is still keeping with the Briggs is a heroin right. addict. He wants, yeah. yeah. Mike not buying it anymore. Yeah. Mike says, what's up with you? You have a vendetta against this guy. You're not dropping this. What's happening? And that's when... He finds a bug. Well, no. he Juan, right in that moment, drops all types of information on us. Or does, does no, Mike go... later. Okay. Mike, Mike finds the bug, and then he goes back and... Oh, that's we, what happens. Yeah. Juan says, plant this tracker on Briggs, and it spawns a, a thought in Mike's, Mike's head. See, what happens is, I thought this was interesting. For the first time, I heard Mike... Mike had Briggs' thoughts in his head. Like, he heard Briggs' voice running through his head. Have we seen that happen on the show before? Because I think this is the first time. Um, I'm not sure, but it's the same saying. It's, you use a monster to catch a bigger monster. But and it, it was actually said in Briggs' voice, and we saw yeah. it through Mike's. It was this Yoda moment, you know? A little bit. Like, that was his sensei. He was thinking the advice from Briggs. So, yeah, he's, well, he's, the advice from Briggs is use a monster to catch another monster. And the great thing about this is that Briggs is speaking of use bellows to catch jangles. The CO is thinking use Mike to catch Briggs. Exactly. And, I mean, how is Mike going to use this then? That's the question. It's like, how is Mike going to use this same philosophy to catch Odin? So you think Mike is still really after Odin? That's Mike's end game here? I think... I believe that Mike is after Odin just because he that's the only thing that's really not tainted. Mm-hmm. That's it is the true. real that's the real case to Mike. Like this is not he doesn't know that Briggs is Odin. He doesn't know that Juan was pretending to be Jangles. He doesn't know any of that. Right. He just knows Odin is this guy with heroin. We can bust Bellows, but we're still going to go after Odin cuz he's still the main supplier of heroin. Right. So, I mean, it's it's really interesting. So we we learn all this new information about Briggs's past and why Juan does not like Briggs. Yeah. So basically, Juan and Briggs have a much bigger history than he's ever implied before. Juan was really good friends with Roberto, the guy that Briggs was really good friends with too. They called him brothers, and yet somehow Juan and Briggs have never met. So they lived in a house together, exactly like Graceland. So we find out. That existed before. It was a house just like Graceland with undercover agents. Except it was like 10 years ago. It was, okay, so do you want me to just break it down? I wrote down so many notes at this part. All right. If it's you, just if like, I, I wrote down a lot too, but I see that you have several pages, so give correct, it a shot. Correct me if I'm wrong, please. Go for it, Stephen. So running this down, so there's another Graceland called The Estate. And The Estate was the yep, first. Yep, he wrote more than me. <laughs> Go ahead. The first. <laughs> The great, the estate was the first Graceland of its kind. Like they decided to take the agents, put them all in a house. You know what the basis of Graceland is. Roberto was the agent on the Mexican side, running in, as we already know. Juan knows Roberto like a brother. I believe that Juan actually is Roberto's brother, perhaps. Oh, that's a good thought. Because yes. that would make sense why Briggs never had met Juan, but they knew each other so deeply and they were so connected, even though they don't like. Brothers don't need to talk in person to still be brothers and to still have a great relationship. Just ask me. I live in L.A. My brothers are in Utah and North Carolina. It's hmm. just you – you're still brothers. Um, Briggs was with Roberto on the, Casa, on the Casa Cartel. Jangles made an appearance and that is what scared off the FBI from the Casa Cartel. They were like, okay, well, Briggs and Roberto, it's getting a little too dangerous. Let's throw you guys on vacation. And the FBI takes them off for risk. July 3rd, Briggs claims he's going on vacation. July 20th, the house burns down, the agents burn down with it, and five agents are dead. Five of the best agents are now dead, burned alive in a house. Improperly stored propane is the alleged source of Mm -mm -mm. the fire. 
July 25th, Briggs returns devastated, acts devastated, as Juan recounts. And Juan believes that Briggs traded the house to Casa for the inn with his, with all of his contacts he would have lost through leaving his cover. Mm-hmm. So what Juan actually tells is that there was a call made from the estate to the Arizona borderline payphone that was a day before Briggs went on vacation. And there was a call made from the estate to the payphone. Or no, made from the yeah. payphone to the estate to Lisa. Yes, but and I don't think it was before Briggs went on vacation. I think the call was made, and I didn't write this down. It's just in my memory. Or was it before the before the fire? Before I think it was, yeah, before July twenty first. So I don't know. Briggs came back on the twenty fifth. Which day did the I? It was my thought. Yeah, that the call happened after the fire. No, no, no. I, the call happened before the fire. Okay. Because he calls Lisa. And Lisa, this is the first we really hear of Lisa. I think they've mentioned her once before. But Lisa is Briggs's girlfriend. Yeah. It was well known that they were a couple. Yeah. Briggs is, Briggs is with Lisa. And that's another thing that they tie into a little bit earlier in the season with the relationships in the house just don't work out. Exactly. And it really shows, again, with, um, I can't, I seriously can't remember her name. The girl who left Graceland and the Lauren. guy, Lauren and Donnie, Lauren and Donnie. It goes again to what Briggs's motivation for getting her out of the house was, too. Yeah, that's a great point, Stephen. He was trying to save her from everything that he had gone through, which we didn't know until this moment was a lot. I had no idea that there was a house before Graceland. I wonder, since this is based off of a true story, if that's true, too, if this is something that happens frequently, because this is a rare occurrence. So another thing that's also kind of weird to think about is last episode we were talking about the confrontation between Paige and Mike in that he brought Abby up to his room in Graceland and she yes. was saying it was such a serious deal. Well, this is something that could potentially happen out of that. Mm-hmm. Is Graceland being burned to the ground and agents dying because people knowing where it is? Yeah, I wonder if the other agents in Graceland know about Briggs's history in this fire. Because I'm thinking they don't, or they would have referenced it, you know? So the reason Juan thinks that Briggs made the call is because he lied about them. And I don't know if this is from Briggs' recounting that he really lied about them. Or he was just just, high on heroin. No, or he didn't know. Or he didn't make the calls, and somebody else made the calls. And Briggs honestly did not know about the calls. Yeah, I, I mean, I'm with Mike on this one. I don't think Briggs is responsible for the fire. Well, I mean, we did see in the end, yada, yada. But, like, I feel like Juan thinks that Briggs masterminded this this killing of all the house and, and everybody inside of it. And I don't think that's the case. So I, Mike says, you're delusional. And the worst part about it is that somebody has given you the power to act upon it. Well, I mean, yeah, I'm, a, I'm your control officer. Well, <laughs> I paused it to write down the prediction that came to my mind so I wouldn't forget it. Okay. So Briggs made a deal with the house on the line. Like his poker chip was the house. And the deal was probably something different that he would give up the location of the house and they would shut it down or they would do something with it. But it was more probably to get rid of it without the agents inside of it. Hmm. And Jangles burned the house down that was with the people inside of it against what Briggs had made the deal with them for. I don't know about the the whole bet thing, but I do think Jangles is responsible for the house burning down. No, I'm not saying it's a bet at all. I'm saying it's a deal. A deal, the bet, yeah. Briggs struck a deal with them to get out with his life. He He gave up the estate to get out with his life. Maybe. That would make sense why he's so intense on not giving up the location now. But I'm not, I'm just not leaning towards that direction with my gut. Maybe though. So. But Mike storms out, leaves his boss sort of yelling at him, you do exactly what I say. Well, now it's, well, now Mike knows that he's doing stuff under the covers. Like he's not doing, he's not doing stuff by the book. Yeah. He's giving Mike a really sweet gift. That was a Trojan horse that had a little tracker in it. He's working out of his own emotions. I don't feel like he's Mike trusts him anymore, which means Mike trusts no one right now. Exactly. It's so sad. He And so, like, what do you do if you're Mike? 
I have no idea either, you know? And he's already set in this undercover position. So now we have Briggs looking into uh, Charlie, asks Johnny about Charlie. Charlie gives up the dirt, says that she's looking into him about being about his connection to Odin, laughs it off. They decide to find out more about Jangles, and, J- and Johnny has a little lead to, like, kind of a Hispanic bar set mm-hmm. back when he was in the... Uh, was it the 89ers or something? Some sort of... He was a banger. Yeah, he was a gangbanger. His, <laughs> his cover was a gangbanger in... So they go and they see Violetta, who really is an incredibly gorgeous Hispanic girl. Yeah. And Johnny's really into her and he says the irony of the whole thing, she doesn't date bangers. If I showed her my badge, I might have a chance. Yeah, and that's... That's, again, it's sad because that would also explain why Johnny is more flippant about relationships because he has someone he really likes but he can't do it because of the job True, so then yeah. he's more just like okay well he'll just hook up with whatever yeah that so, makes total sense i mean he's probably thinking well she is like she's the one but he yeah. can't touch her briggs at first thinks this is a waste of a trip and to me this seems like a little bit of a jump in the plot do you know what i'm saying Man, I don't know what to do, Johnny. Do you? Yeah, I'll lead you exactly where we need to go. I don't know. I mean, maybe they have their gr- their ear to the ground in a way that they have connections that will lead to other connections. And the drug dealing circle and gang banging circle is smaller than I know. But I, I seemed it seemed a little random of me to go there. But it ended up working out for them. Well, I don't think it was random in that everything's very closely knit. I mean, you have these you have these gangs. You have the cartel. The cartel is the big player. And then you have everyone who gets supplied by the cartel who are running the gangs around the city. Mm-hmm. And when a big player like Jangles comes into play, who's the mercenary, who's the assassin for the for the Kaza cartel, if an assassin, if a famous assassin hitman comes to a place and kills somebody, there's going to be rumors spread that it was him, and the rumors are going to go all over the place. I think they were kind of lucky that it was Bellow's guy who was selling them out. And as soon as I saw that guy's... That's yeah, exactly. He definitely, he stuck out. He, he was a tiny little baby-faced drug dealer guy, and we saw him right there hanging out with some Hispanic guys who automatically assume are Kaza guys. Well, they gave him a line earlier in the episode. That's why we really... Yes, I know. They're not going to pay somebody. But I do want to take a moment while we're speaking of killers and mention serial buddies. We keep the lights on here because of Kevin and Maria, and they have a hilarious movie out. You've got to see it, if you haven't yet, available on iTunes. Can you get it in Redbox yet? Not in Redbox, but it is recently out on video on demand, so check that out oh, on uh, Apple TV. Even better, you other. don't have to walk to Ralph's. So we're back in the bar. Briggs speaks Spanish, yes or no? Um, I believe he does. Well, it, they were doing some translating for us in the bottom. They said, well, what if he finds out? So obviously we could tell right then, this guy's selling out Bello because he's scared, probably, to the Casa Cartel. And immediately... Briggs says, no, I'll take care of this. And for a second, I was so scared. Is he going to go into Odin mode? Is he going to be secret? Is he going to leave Mike hanging? But no, he went straight to the safe house. I was actually, I totally wrote that down um, where I'm just like, I wrote down gigantic lie where he says, <laughs> says he may, uh, I mean, of course, Johnny tells her he may join LAPD as a joke and Bella's guy's selling out, but he t- he's like, okay, I'll tell Mike. And every time Briggs says, yeah, I'll, I'll get right, right on that, you're just like, you'll get right on that now? Or Do you have any minutes? intention of getting right on that? Yeah, like, what's what's right on it? Is it right on it or is it, like, right on it? He did seem, like, in a hurry, but I thought Johnny should have gone, too. This seemed like a serious situation. Johnny I mean, should have gone with him. It was a serious situation when he got there, but they didn't know that it was a serious situation at the time. Because as they know in their mind, they have a surveillance fan watching Mike. Mike's in yes, a safe house. Absolutely. Like, it's not really a critical situation. Briggs knows that it's more critical than it really is, but I don't think he's Briggs sure is, at this yeah, point. Yeah, he got up and went. He was, in a, he was in a hurry. Yeah, and he was trying to call Mike. And while this is, while Briggs is rushing over there, we get Mike and Bello just kind of chilling. Having some conversations uh, about... Michael. Are we Butch Cassidy and the Sundance Kids? Which, which, show, which movie had the greatest ending? Yeah. And then what's the quote? Did you write down the quote where he said, I thought we might be in trouble? Was that what it was? Um, I, I didn't write that down. They're having some cigars. They're in the quote unquote safe house. And I don't know where the sprinklers come on. Yeah. I love that. Uh, I love the line, uh, Michael, Chinese food and a good cigar. <laughs> 
I'm like, all right, Bello. I'll play your game. For like I two seconds, he seems a little bit normal. <laughs> but this is where we get this huge talk of war. Yeah. The, necess- the necessity of war. Yeah, he was given a real Coney vibe on that one. And he really did, Um, let's see here. He really did kind of throw it in Mike's face that, look. Oh, Michael, I thought you knew. Well, it's just more like, Michael, you, there's there's going to be a war. We're already at war. If, if you think mm-hmm. that you're taking, if you think you're baby faced and you can just walk away from this, you sent a guy alive with a stump dipped in lead to their front door. He's basically like, there will be blood. Yeah, there's no talking after that. It will rain blood. <laughs> so, Bello still doesn't seem scared. Mike, shaking in his boots, worried about people's lives. Leaves Bella for maybe five minutes. Whenever the sprinklers went off? Yeah, like... Well, the sprinklers went off. We all know it's not right. This house isn't safe. Sprinklers are going off. Mike goes out to check. Guard gone. Even with their giant gun, there was no gunshots. I gotta Some- say... Oh, sorry. They killed the guards without guns. Yeah, I mean, he's, he's, he's a professional assassin. <laughs> I mean. Still, so guards gone. Mike says, I need backup immediately. I need backup immediately. We see Briggs finally arriving on the scene. We go to the backup, tr- the big up the backup van. van. They're all shot. They're all dead. There is no backup coming. Oh, the van's shot. <laughs> it was really sad for me because those are FBI agents, you know? I mean, this is, this is based on true stories, but this is real. Like, things like this do happen. Honestly, if I was a bad guy and I went up to, you know, assassinate somebody and I saw any random van, I would definitely go check inside. Hmm, yeah. I would be like, no chance that you're here to get the rats out of this that place. That van says free candy on it. Suspicious. No chance that you're here to serve ice cream. You do not have carpet in there, sir. So, um, Mike hears the keys, uh, we hear Jangles ask about Odin Rossi to, um, Bello, of course, Bello is and strung Mike up. And was, Mike was hesitating. I think he really wanted to hear, he really oh, wanted yeah, to definitely. hear what he was going to say about Odin. And Jangles hadn't really done that, that bad of stuff yet to, to Bello. He'd been stabbed a couple of times. He was holding it up to his eyes. And Bello still, to me, did not seem scared. Because Bello is freaking Bello, man. I mean, <laughs> if he was scared, we would not respect him as as a villain in this show. It really is. Even when he's got knives in his eyes. Your technique is bid. Yeah. He's, like, he's awesome. mocking him. He's awesome. Bello is awesome. Um, so Jangles, yeah, of course, has him strung up. That was quick. Mike's yeah. done five minutes. This guy's got bellow, big-ass dudes strung up. So is this really one person killing three cronies, three FBI agents, oh, yeah. and stringing up the the biggest, baddest guy we've seen on the show yet? One dude. It's hard to believe, but I think so. Maybe Mike was out longer than we think. But How could all those people that are trained in that, especially Bello, get taken that way? So what happens is Mike's boot squeaks, and... It's like the worst annoying thing when you're walking on linoleum floors or marble <laughs> and you have wet shoes. It happens. It happens. Um, and Bello, I mean, uh, Jangles gets startled, tries to have Mike come out. Mike comes out. First thing Mike does is shoots down Bello. Shoots down Bello. Jangles. So that he's free and can go. As soon as Mike tells Bello to get out of there, Jangles comes from left side, stabs him in the kidney. Or at least that's what it looked like around that area. Kidney spleen. Mike's down. Briggs fires a few shots at Jangles. Looks like he clips him. Does, yes. Although, I thought Mike maybe had clipped him, too. uh, I'm not sure. I don't think so. There was gunfire, and and neither of them really got direct shots. Only the stab wound. Yeah, it's surprising Briggs... I mean, not Briggs. Bella didn't get shot. So, yeah. Jangles gets away. We got the strike team moving in, covering everything. And great moment when Mike is, like, telling the cop, read me my rights. Well, here's the thing. Briggs, Mike says, go get him. Briggs says, next time. Briggs chose to stay there with Mike and treat that wound instead of run after him. So Briggs really wants Jangles. We know that. But he stayed with Mike. Which leads me to believe that there's no reason why Briggs would have necessitated the estate to have been burned. Exactly. Like, I don't think he's that kind of person. And... 
oh my god, I feel like an idiot now. Epiphany guys listening, Briggs was just like Mike before something happened. What happened? The estate. That's uh, what happened. Like yeah. the whole this whole like so situation. I that, yeah, I don't think the house knows that that's what happened. How did they not know that that's what happened? That had to have been huge news within the bureau. I mean, they might know a little bit, but I mean, I didn't put that together. Like, okay, so the heroin could have affected Briggs a little bit, but this, like, losing his girlfriend, losing all of his four other agents, like, can you imagine what someone in the house would be right, like right now if somebody walked in, shot, shot Dale, shot Paige, shot Johnny? Like, how would they react? Mm-hmm. They would be completely different, and especially going into another situation with another house. But Juan said that Briggs wanted to build up this house. He was one of the instigators for making this house happen. Because I don't think without this house, I don't think without this house, he could complete his plan to get revenge to to become Odin. In what ways does this house help him become Odin? It's a perfect cover. There's no way that. I mean, if he's a single agent, he's got so many people watching his back. That's so easily interpreted. Right. In this house, he's got four people watching his back, but now we have these rules where you keep the secrets, you care about the people in the house, no no secrets or whatever like that. And nobody's allowed upstairs, nobody's around in your private life, nobody can really investigate you without anyone else knowing. Mm-hmm. And that's why Mike's in the house to investigate him, because anyone above can't get into the house to really investigate. And the thing about it is, you couldn't do it if you were going into work in a suit every day. He and couldn't he can, be, yeah, he couldn't be sneaking out, and he didn't want to relocate, you know? He can control his team. Yeah. He doesn't, I mean, he has a team if he's not in the house, but this is, like, his team. Like, he can pull whoever he wants. Like, hey, Johnny, you're on me on this with me, because I know that you're going to do this, and you're going to do this, and I can do this and do my sneaky ways. This, these people, even though they do work ridiculously hard, have a lot of free time. They have really flexible schedules. Lots of time for cooking and beach time and getting drunk with their roommates. But anyway, yes, that that is a great epiphany, Stephen. And and back to that moment, that was one of my favorites. Read me my rights. What? Read me my rights. And the guy immediately turned it on and read him his rights. So right as Bellow's walking by, yes, covers safe with Bellow, which leads us to next episode with what's going to happen in yes. next episode, how he can keep his cover. So we next see uh, Mike kind of delirious, waking up from the hospital. It's five p.m. Paige is there. Paige is there acting all sweet, and Mike immediately turns over. She tells him who brought what, and he says, is there anything from Anonymous? Like, Mike has been stabbed and out and possibly just undergone surgery, woke up hours later, and immediately wakes up suspicious. He's in a difficult situation. I didn't quite understand understand what he was saying this scene something about a husband and child or wife and child something about something like i really couldn't really hear it very well what about the the husband and wife he said wife and child in the scene i mean i i was watching it and if you guys if you guys could well here's the thing mike was asking what all was over on the side of the room because he was wanting to know if somebody sent in a tracker that could like hear what he was going to say like maybe Juan had sent in okay. something. Yeah. I wasn't thinking about that. I was just trying to focus so hard on what he was saying because I couldn't understand it all on the TV I was watching. But yeah, he, uh. Now he woke up suspicious. He's, he cannot get peace. Who's after him? Is it Juan? Is it Briggs? Is it somebody else? Like, I mean, he was probably wondering because he was searching for a bug, but it could have been a bomb even. Well, Johnny sent the bear. I know, right? Nice Sweetheart. guy, Johnny. But Paige is there being supportive and Mike finally decides to break and talk to somebody in the house about it after he has chosen allegiance to the house by walking away from his control officer he tells Paige and her immediate compassionate reaction is you're a rat you're a rat he's like what a rat to who Paige we're on the same team here it's I didn't like this. Of course, I mean that's how people would react when it's. I mean, he, she lives with him. Like to live with when the house is sacred and you live with someone and they're investigating someone else. I mean, yeah, your knee jerk reaction, but she, it's very hypocritical for her to go on all of these episodes and ev- basically any time she's in this show. Come on, Mike, trust me. Come on, Mike, I'm here for you. I'm on your side. It was too quick. 
For her to turn and say you're No, it was too quick for Mike to trust her with that. I don't... I think they really needed... They needed more... um, More association between Mike and Paige throughout the other episodes that have to deal with trust and things like that. That would give him more of a reason than just her not telling about Abby. Because I see his character as much more going and confessing everything of who he is to Abby... As opposed to confessing this thing to, to Paige. I think it had less to do with Paige and more to do with him waking up in a hospital. You know, there's moments in life, few and far between, hopefully, where you almost die and everything comes clearer and you're desperate and you're scared and you never felt more alone. I don't know. I just didn't. I didn't like that, that he, he told, told her. her. I didn't like that he told her either. But when people wake up from a near death situation, they make crazy decisions. I've done it before in my life twice. So he walks away, of course. Um, and I want to go back a little bit because I can't believe we got out the scene with Charlie. Oh, yeah. We didn't even talk about this show is called Smoke Alarm, guys. And we just totally didn't even talk about <laughs> what the smoke alarm is. Yeah, no. So, yeah. Great point, Stephen. I'm glad we're going back. Charlie not dropping a thing with bricks. She thinks he's Odin. She's going to prove it. And this sleuth girl is great at her job because she had made a connection months ago of an organization that they thought might be related to Odin. Yeah, Mexican shell company with ties to Odin. It was um, basically Odin would buy, would control his money through various accounts. And ever since he was being looked into and things like that, they don't use the accounts anymore. But he used his old account to purchase this motel. And, and, and right away... Charlie seems like she she thinks that's a setup. Oh yeah, it, I mean, and Paige says even the best criminals get cocky. You don't know. Did Paige was that Paige who said that? Yeah, they okay. were chatting, and she said, "You know what? Even the best criminals slip up when they get cocky." So she goes to this. She goes to the uh, motel. She says, "Housekeeping, <laughs> housekeeping." Walks to the door. Of course, Briggs is watching his laptop because he's apparently taking a break from his. Uh, Netflix marathon while he He stayed up for days. They showed the sun going down and back up on his face. Well, I think, well, of course, he was trying to catch Jangles. He wasn't trying to catch Charlie. You know that, right? I think he was trying to catch Jangles and anybody else who was looking for Odin. I think as soon as he saw Charlie there, he was afraid for her. Yeah, because he was, that trap was laid for Jangles and anyone who shows up there and finds Charlie, it's dangerous. Um, I think, uh, there's going to be a lot of trouble because now that we know who Jangles is, I mean, this scene is more interesting now that we know who Jangles is, of course. But did you not from this? Okay. So Charlie's in there, scans the room for a bug, immediately sees it behind the smoke alarm and disables it. Right then, another person bursts into the house. Charlie's in a gun-holding standoff with with a large, you know, corporate-looking Hispanic man. I had a feeling that he was Jangles. I know, from, from the, the second he walked in. From the second I found out he was a cop. Okay, I just had a feeling that he was Jangles from the second I saw him. I mean, like, uh, all we know about Jangles is that he's like a Hispanic guy. And the characters on this show, one of them we found out was dead, one of them was Juan, and one of them was Jangles. I actually, whenever he walked in, I thought, oh, there's our Jangles red herring. Because I didn't think that was him. I thought Juan was still it, but he well, they was wanted, our Jangles they wanted red you herring. to believe the red herring and use, and when Juan was actually the red herring. Yeah, but, but I had the red herrings mixed up. So anyway, this guy, whose name is Rafael Cortez, is the Mexican version of the FBI. He's a, he's a federale. Yeah. yeah. So the reason I knew he was Jangles right then was because he went in through the window and did not go in through the front door or announce himself. Oh. Because you're not allowed to do that in any sense of the word. I guess he technically could have as a slightly Briggs' cop, but no. The this, fact- this Federale guy is out of his territory. And another thing. He's a federale. If you want to think of any any way to really know where somebody's coming into town or somebody who has free range to go to Mexico or to come to wherever they need to be to take care of business, that's him. He's a federale. He can get across the border like that. Mm-hmm. So we're introduced to Rafael Cortez, a.k.a. Jangles. Who really seems nice. He's a nice guy. He shows Charlie his badge. He says, I assume you have one of these as well. She doesn't fall for it. 
yeah, but I just don't show it to anybody. They step closer, and he says, I think we could figure this out if we work together. She's like, I need to think about this. She wasn't falling for it. And for a minute there, I thought Charlie was going to stand her ground and just not work with the enemy. And I believe, if my memory serves correctly, his gun matches Jangle's gun. Oh, I would Because the gun that Juan uses in the end does not match Jangle's gun. How would you know? I paused it. But when have we seen Jangle's gun before? Huh? When have we seen Jangle's gun before? When he fires at Mike in the house at Bellows. Jangles pulls out his gun. Okay. There's a, okay, yes, there's yes, a scene yes, that yes. I played in slow motion where he pulls out his gun to fire. <laughs> okay, and then yeah. we see we see the gun for a split second at the end in front of the campfire, and it's a lot more silvery. Hmm. It's, a, it's, it's more chrome. It's shinier. Yeah, basically. Okay, so uh, where did we leave off in the other plot line? Um, well, of course, well, we're, we're continuing into Charlie and Juan now. So okay. Juan, of so, course, well, we find Bello out that the cop... off to jail. Bellows off to jail, and now we get a glimpse of this cafe where Charlie is sitting down with Rafael Cortez, and Cort- they decide that they're going to trade information to try to catch Odin. And this is interesting because the whole reason that um, the whole reason that Jangles is in town is to get Odin. Right. So he's using less violent means now that he couldn't get to Bello. He's using less violent means to use yes. Charlie to get to Bello. And if Charlie tells him that she thinks Briggs is Odin, that's when shit's going to get real. Sorry, I didn't mean to say that. No, no, but that's a great point. Charlie could blow this and get Briggs killed. So, I mean, right after we see Bellows in jail, Mike wake up from the hospital, we see Briggs on the beach getting absolutely plastered because he's in so much grief. I think he almost lost Mike. That brought on this memory of him losing everyone in the house and on top of that he got this close to jangles and we see visions of lisa for the very first time yeah briggs is wasted stumbling around the beach thinking about lisa and we go and for and and we see juan he's listening to the tapes playing of briggs no he's listening to the tapes of was it briggs or mike that was briggs talking no it was mike um he has the tapes of briggs but he also has mike and mike's recording says that no it's Mike's recording from his office when mm, Mike okay. is saying, well, did he ever see Jangles? No, he always wore a black bandana and he always had his face covered. Right. And he always had the keys that jangle. So, so we, this we, is this is pulls, Juan. He pulls up a little bandana at that moment and we're, we think he's Jangles. He has the keys. He has the bandana. This is him. But yet it doesn't seem like it. I just honestly, when he pulled out the bandana, I'm like, it, yeah. When he said that going undercover as mercenary Jangles for the Casa Cartel, I was like, okay, you're going undercover to see if you can get a confession out of Briggs. I see what you're doing. I I know your I know your game, Mr. <laughs> Mr. Juan Medill. Uh, your your last game of the series, I'm guessing right now, mm-hmm. sadly. Um, but yeah, he was listening to recordings to get the outfit to get the thing, and when we see him. He has a hood on. He has a leather jacket on. He's like, you can tell this is a desk officer. Yeah. You can tell this is a desk guy. Because Briggs and every everyone who thinks undercover, they're like, okay, I need an outfit. Let's go, <laughs> let's go ahead and get the, oh, I'm a cowboy. I want to wear a cowboy hat. <laughs> this guy overdoes it. Yeah. Because un- undercover is you're just who you are, and that's who you are. But he overdoes it. He's wearing this hoodie. He's His hair didn't match. That was another thing. The thing, the thing about it was... I feel like he made this decision and he recorded it, but I don't feel like he had anyone's uh, consent or approval to go investigate Briggs in this way. He doesn't have a team behind him. He didn't tell anybody. I don't feel like he had a backup truck anywhere. He just made it. He made the decision last minute. Yeah, he was probably just upset because Mike wasn't going to work for him anymore, so he had to take things into his own hands. Yeah. Um, And the reason he recorded himself... Was because now they're going to find his car and they're going to find that recording. Remember, we have three more episodes, right? Yeah. They're going to find his car. They're going to find his recording. They're not going to find him. And the last thing that he recorded on his recording is about to meet Briggs dressed as Jangles. I don't think he walked into this situation knowing what was going to happen. He walks down and Briggs is so drunk. And he has no idea what Briggs has been through with Jangles. He's, he knows what he's heard, but he's pretending to be Jangles and he asks Briggs, 
We, you know where we're standing? I think they were standing where the old house used to be. I think that's what they were implying there. Oh, yeah. Around a fire. He's like, do you remember when we burned this down? And Briggs is like, we both did. We both did it. You lit the match. Jangles is the one who lit the match. So, man, I still don't think Briggs worked with Jangles to burn the house down. I think Briggs is saying that because of a decision I made that I didn't know this would happen. This happened, but you're the one who actually killed them. What was Briggs's uh, old partner named? Roberto. Roberto. And this is just stupid because I can't remember it in my mind. Does Roberto look anything like Rafael Cortez? Yeah. yeah. He does. Mm-hmm. Okay. Um. So. Not, okay. Not, not identical, but all three of those guys could honestly be brothers. He looks more like Rafael Cortez than he does like Juan. Does he look enough like Rafael Cortez to be Rafael Cortez? Oh, Juan? No, uh, no, uh, not Juan. Ra- does Rafael Cortez look enough does, like Roberto? Okay. Does, no. does Roberto look, yeah, uh, he doesn't? Okay, Mm-mm. that was that was what I was alluding to. Um, we learned that Briggs had actually more of a connection with, um, with Jangles. Yeah. And this is why I still think that he made a deal with Jangles to get out alive. I host Get Out Alive on AfterBuzz TV <laughs> uh, to to get out alive, and and Jangles is the one that burned the place to the ground when that was what he told Briggs he wouldn't do. He probably told him he'd do something different. So there's a gun struggle, and at this point in time, he Juan pulls out his gun. And Briggs says, "Oh, you use guns now," and there's a gun struggle. Briggs is wasted. He ends up shooting Juan. And also at this point in time, I don't think Briggs knows that it's a real person. Because he's so drunk? I think he's so drunk and he's just like so grieved. Yeah, he could be. He could be imagining him at that moment in time. For all we know, Briggs is even high. I don't think he is, but he could have been. Exactly. So you don't really know whether Juan is... I mean, we know he's real, but you don't know if Briggs knows that he's real or not. Of course, um, since he's in the next episode acting all normal, I'm assuming he got rid of the body some way. And we forgot to mention that... um, Raphael had blood on him. Well, that's the big reveal. So at the very the very last scene when Charlie is sitting in No, this scene was before the visions and shooting Juan. Mm-mm. Yeah, it was. No, I don't think so. Absolutely. It has Juan listening to Mike's recording, then it has Charlie and Cortez, and then it goes to the campfire with Briggs. My notes are completely in order. It, which is which is weird because I could I didn't see the blood. And mm. then we watched it again and did. Juan has keys and mask. Charlie's deal with Briggs has blood. Briggs, yeah, okay, so they're sandwiched. Yeah. Okay, so yes, while, while Charlie is eating with Raphael, they go down, they're gonna be partners together, they're gonna figure out this Odin thing as a team. And the camera pans away. The camera down. pans away, and it was very dark, it was very subtle, but he had some, a little spot of blood leaking through his clothes. Like where he was clipped by Briggs shooting him, and, then of course, uh, yeah. so that that was the moment that we, as the audience, are supposed to think this guy is Jangles, this guy that Charlie is working with. And he's wearing Jangles. the same suit. I mean, it's, it's the it's same color suit. Yeah, he wore he he didn't. Um, what's his face? Didn't change his belt buckle. Didn't change his suit the whole episode. Yeah, uh, Raphael. And I think um, I think Briggs knows Raphael. Let's go. Let's go. Ahead. Do we don't have any news? Let's go ahead and get into predictions. Definitely. Okay. And now I think Briggs knows Raphael because. Do you think that Briggs knows Raphael as Jangles? No, but I think he knows Raphael, and I think he would recognize his face because that's probably why um, we don't see him with anyone. He's only with Charlie. He's not like, Mm -hmm. "Hey guys, this guy's from the Federale coming in to investigate with this stuff." No, like this guy is unknown to everyone except Charlie, and only by coincidence, Charlie. Right. And only at the place where Briggs doesn't know that he was there because he, Charlie got rid of the video tracker before he entered. Uh, and what what do you think that Briggs does with Juan's body? You think he gets rid of it? I'm not sure. I uh, Man, he's so drunk. I think that he might think that he just shot Jangles. I don't think he knows at all what has happened yet. Maybe he takes his mask. I mean, he's, he may have never seen the guy without a mask on. He might think he just shot Jangles. Well, if he does, and we see, we'll probably just have like a five minutes at the beginning of the next episode where it ta- where Briggs is talking about 
where they just like have the aftermath, like you shot Juan Medio, and that's how they're going to know that Mike is the snitch. They're going to find out that Juan Medio was Mike's control officer hired to order. Br- uh, so you look think into everybody in the house is going to find out? Oh yeah, they call him snitch in front of everyone. Well, in the, in the we previews. see that Mike goes to jail next week to continue his undercover operation with Bello. And I do want to give a quick shout out. This is uh, one of my friends. I've known him since USC Screenwriting School, Aaron Fullerton's first ever episode on television. And bravo. What was it was a great one. Shout out to you, Aaron. Yeah. Do you have any predictions? Um, I, ha- I think we haven't seen the last of Abby. Oh, yeah. She's coming back around. I am worried. I am worried about Jake. I love the guy, but I'm worried about his fate. I think Paige is going to die. I think, um, <laughs> no, yeah, I definitely think Paige is going to die. I don't die. think Paige is going to die. Okay. Um, and I also think that we're going to see a lot more of Bella. The fact that he's not dead yet means that we're going to see a lot more of him maybe into next season as well. Um, or he'll be for the season finale because we have three episodes left. Where can we find you, Julie? You can find me on Twitter and Facebook at J-U-L-I-E-P-A-R-T-I-N. God, my predictions are so lackluster tonight because everything ended. And you can find me at Stephen Lemieux, S-T-P-H-E-N-L-E-M-I-E-U-X, or here hosting The Twisted, Graceland, Get Out Alive with Bear Grylls, and... Many more this fall season. Dexter After Show. And we will see you guys back here next week with Stephanie for the third to last episode. Last episode before we start the season finale of Graceland. From Bing.com, executive producers Maria Menounos, Kevin Undergaro, Phil Svitek, and the entire AfterBuzz TV staff, we would like to thank you for listening to the AfterBuzz TV network. To watch or listen to other After shows and post comments or questions, be sure to visit AfterBuzzTV.com. I'm Sir Richard Wentworth, and this has been a presentation of AfterBuzz TV. Buzz you later. later. The views expressed herein are those of the host only and do not necessarily reflect the views of AfterBuzz TV or its owners or principals.